Well, Father, thank you for being good. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing grace. God, thank you for extended, extended amounts of grace. God, thank you for you being exactly who you say you are. God, thank you that you've called us to be exactly who you say we are. And God, we just ask for uh, wisdom and revelation that we may know you more. God, that we may see the things that you're doing. You may hear your voice. God, that we know the sound of a good father. Uh, we know the sound of a good father. We don't get it confused with uh, the enemy or uh, just rambling thoughts. God, we know the voice of a good dad. So God, thank you. We love you. Thank you for who you are. Um, well, we're, we're family, so um, we're just going to chat this morning. Hopefully that works. If not, I'm not paid staff, so you can't technically fire me. I can't even drink water, right? So um, you can try to terminate me. Rodney told me the only thing he asked was that um, I didn't say anything that got him terminated before he got back off leave. So I'm going to try to mind my manners this morning. Uh, Nikki kind of chuckled a little bit. I tell people often, um, <clears throat> if you struggle with religion, I may offend you a little bit. I would apologize, but I'm not sorry. So uh, I say that because I came out of religion. Uh, I grew up in the South, and, and when I say religion, I mean there's a difference between religion and relationship, right? Uh, you can read through how Jesus interacted with the Pharisees, and, and you'll understand the difference between religion and relationship. Uh, that's why I tell people there's an importance for wisdom and revelation. <clears throat> wisdom without revelation will bring you religion, and revelation without wisdom will lead you to the occult and weird stuff. Uh, I've seen it on both. Uh, I'm excited this morning for one big reason. This is the first time our son gets to hear me preach. So it'll be the best one he's heard yet, so I'm starting off really well. Um, hopefully it only goes up from here, but uh, we have uh, our son, Eliam, who's nine, nine months? Yeah. yeah, time flies when you're chasing him around. So he's a busybody. If he's conscious, he's moving. Uh, so we'll see how long him and mom make it in here before he's running up, up here, so... Um, He's missed most of crawling and is trying to go straight to walking, if that tells you anything. Uh, so pray for us in another month or two, because we'll probably get some extra cardio in. Uh, good thing is we have a big house with a lot of rooms, so we'll have plenty of places to have to go search for him. Um, so I, I kinda, I'm going to do things a little bit different this morning. Hopefully that's okay. Um, the couple back here, will you, will you tell me your names? Yes, Justin? Hey, Kelly. Okay. Um, I know it's weird coming to a church and getting called out, so I'll try not to make it weird. But uh, when I saw y'all when I got up here this morning to do intro, uh, I was thinking, I saw y'all and immediately the Lord reminded me of this season of my life years ago. Uh, this is back before my wife and I got married, probably 14, I don't know, 14, 15 years ago. Uh, I was living in North Carolina and uh, was working at like an outdoor retreat center. And so I was I was a part of a church that was up there uh, that I would attend when we didn't have groups up. And um, one weekend, I just uh, I was supposed to come home to visit, and the Lord said, hey, um, I want you to stay up here this weekend and just hang out with me. And so I did. Um, literally just spent the entire weekend with the Lord. This is a cabin on the mountain, no internet, no cable. 
uh, took a little bit of adjustment. Um, I tell people it was the worst, best season of my life. So, uh, but I spent the weekend with them, and, and through that weekend, the Lord uh, just kind of asked me to do some things that uh, were a bit out of my comfort zone and kind of um, uh, kind of a stretch uh, that I won't get into. And and so I was going to go come back here, come back home, and uh, kind of walk out what He had asked me to do. And He said, "Hey, I want you to go to church this morning." And I was like. All right, so I'll head to church, and then I'll make the four-and-a-half-hour drive back. So I came to this church and uh, up in North Carolina, and I'd been there several times, and so I kind of knew some people. But as soon as I walked in, uh, the associate pastor uh, was up in the pulpit and literally stopped and said, Hey, Lonnie, I have this word from the Lord. Um, basically, you had this, this uh, big decision to make this weekend, and the Lord told you what to do, and He just wants me to confirm to you that, uh, that the decision you uh, he told you to do is exactly what he wants you to do, and that there's going to be grace for it. And he basically goes to this laundry list of stuff, like exact, I mean, exact conversations that I'd had with the Lord that weekend. Um, so you can imagine it, it, it threw me off a little bit. Um, but for some reason, when I saw y'all, the Lord just kind of reminded me of that situation. And, and I don't know, you know, what your personal lives look like, but uh, I feel like the Lord is, is doing, there's a transition in your life, Justin, where he's speaking to you about some things. And uh, I think reminding you uh, of older conversations, older inputs that he's had with you, and some of them feel uncomfortable, uh, but there's grace for the season. Uh, I feel like he, he really wants you to understand that what he starts, he sees all the way through. Uh, the decision that I had to make that weekend made zero sense to me. Uh, matter of fact, I thought it was going in the opposite direction of the direction I, the Lord had for me. Um, and then years later, it worked out exactly the way he had told me it would. Um, so I just kind of feel like, you know, I don't know if it was this week, but I feel like it was something recent that the Lord started speaking to you on, and it feels like it's a shift in the pathway. Uh, and it may be, and it may look like it's going in a different direction than where you thought you should be going, uh, but the Lord's in it, and, and He just wants you to know that, that what He starts, He finishes all the way through. And uh, some things are going to look a little different. They're going to feel a little uncomfortable. Uh, but I tell people often, if you're not being, un, you know, if you're not getting out of your comfort zone in the kingdom, you're not hanging out with the wrong people anyway. I mean, you're not hanging out with the right people anyway. So, um, so I just bless you in the, in the journey and the process of what that looks like. Uh, hopefully that makes sense to you, but I, I just really felt like I was supposed to encourage you that, uh, that God is intentional in your life and what he's, what he's doing right now has a purpose, whether it looks the way you thought it would look or not. Um, and then I'm assuming, are, are you Roy's mom? Grandmother, okay. You just look that you just look that young. So, um, I again, kind of one of those things. When I saw you this morning, uh, I just heard the Lord say how great of a mother you've been. Uh, being a grandmother, I'm sure you've got to you've you've mothered many uh, more than just the ones you had biologically. I'm sure, uh, but I, I just feel like we're we're in this season as a church where we really need to honor. Uh, the moms and dads of the house, especially the ones that have mothered, you know, mothered and fathered uh, a lot. And I just feel like the Lord wanted you to know that He's really, really proud of you, really impressed with the way you've, you've uh, mothered the ones around you, the ones below you, the ones that weren't even related to you, that you, uh, you kind of took on as your own and kind of mentored. And there's several people that are, that are exactly where they're supposed to be in life right now because of the investment you made into them. And so... <clears throat> So thank you for that, um, and like I said, it, I'm sure it's a great privilege for them to, to be able to call you uh, grandmother. 
Again, I thought you were the mom, so I, either you look really, really young or Roy looks really old. I'm not sure which one it is, but I think it's the first. <laughs> but we're glad to have you this morning. Um, it's fun. I told people, God is always speaking, right? God is always saying stuff. Uh, he's always wanting to call out the best in, the, in those around us. Um, and, and sometimes... Sometimes he does it in private. Sometimes he does it in public. Uh, but I think I think we're in this we're in this season right now. Um, and I'm not saying that Miss Debbie transitioning to heaven is the initiation of it. Uh, but like I said earlier, some things like that happen, and they force you into change, right? They force a season shift. You don't get to pick it. Even if you say, "Hey, I'm not going," it doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, you know, you, you can try to fight it, but it's just going to extend the season. Uh, but I feel like there's been this, we're on this cusp of what the Lord has for us as, as a house, as Auburn Heights, as a Christian body, um, just in the seasons we've had where, where we have this choice to be intentional. Uh, intentional with each other, intentional with people visiting, intentional with people outside of this building. Uh, we have the choice to be intentional with that, or we have the choice to continue just doing the same old thing that we've done. Um, I can tell you the same old thing that we've done is going to lead us into 40 years of roaming around the desert. Um, as uncomfortable and fun as that is to hear, the thing about the same old thing when you read the story of the Israelites roaming around the desert is that the reason it didn't, you know, the journey from Egypt to the Promised Land, they say now, it should have taken 11 days. If you and I went out and walked it, it would take us about 11 days to walk that. Um, they managed to do it in an impressive 40 years. And, and, and this is, you know, if you know the story, they go out, send spies out to, to kind of canvas the land for 40 days, and they come back and they tell the Israelites, hey, there's a lot of scary people over there. A lot of scary stuff. There's a lot of great stuff, but there's a lot of really, really scary stuff. And so maybe we should avoid the good stuff because of the scary stuff. And what happened is it just bred uh, a lack of faith. And so God tells them, hey, for your lack of faith, for one day, for basically one year for every day that you went and spied the land, you're going to roam around the desert. Um, which is real encouraging, right? You know, if you're starting this journey thinking that, man, it's going to be a short one, and now you find out, I got 40 years of this. Um, not the most encouraging. Even in that, God still provided, right? He still gave manna. He still gave, you know, the pillar of smoke and the, the cloud of fire. He still was present in the process. Uh, but because of a lack of faith, they extended a short trip into a very long wilderness season. Um, and I was telling Caleb, I, I'm not ready to fully preach this message yet because the Lord is still processing with me. But there was redemption when Jesus comes on the scene and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, right? He fasts for 40 days, the devil comes to the end and tempts him, and then after all that, he goes right into, what, picking the 12 disciples and starting his ministry. Interesting enough, they do 40 years in the desert, the 12, uh, 12 tribes come out and start their, um, their camps, and kind of, you kind of go through some of the Old Testament, but uh, I feel like we're in this, this cusp of a season where we have to make some choices. Uh, Rodney touched on it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Todd Pierce touched on it a couple of weeks ago. Where we've been in this place where sometimes it's just, you know, we don't know what we don't know. 
sometimes you do the same thing because it's always been the same thing, right? No one's told you any different. And what happens, especially in our culture, in the South especially, you see it, is that my Christian life consists of I read the Bible some, and then I come to church on Sundays, maybe Wednesdays, and I expect the person behind the pulpit to make sure I'm fully equipped for everything ahead of me, uh, which is a horrible, horrible game plan. Um, because one, you're expecting that this person that stands right here gets it right 100% of the time. And if he doesn't, all your life's failures and hardships is because my pastor didn't tell me that. He's never preached on that. He didn't do this. She didn't do that. Well, you understand there's a relationship requirement between you and Jesus. That's not, um, we're not, I'm not bashing on anything. We're not Catholic. We don't have to have a mediator. I don't need to go tell my sins before somebody. I have a direct relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, he says, hey, when I leave you, I'll leave you a comforter called the Holy Spirit. Uh, so we have this gift. And, and there's a responsibility on us. And this is why we don't like it. Because it puts the responsibility back on me, right? It's really easy for when my stuff goes to shambles and I can say, well, it's their fault. It's that person's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's that per- my spouse's fault. It's whoever's fault, right? We're really good at that. We breed that in a society, unfortunately. Uh, we see it a lot. These younger generations, right? It's everybody's fault but their own. Um, and, and we see that, but we see it a lot in the Christian church. Um, and, and it's just not biblical. You can't find it in, in the Bible anywhere, but we've, we've made it into this kind of Western religion. And, and I think the Lord is, is putting this, this, this place where he's reminding us that, hey, um, we all have responsibility in this house. We all have responsibility in the kingdom. Um, many of us are called to mother and father and to disciple. Whether you have biological kids or not, uh, I can tell you, know, for me, it, it has changed my perspective on fathering now that we have Eliam. Uh, but there's been people he's put in my world before then that I've had to learn how to father. And I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, we have a, a girl, she, she's, I think Jessie's 20, 28. Um, her and her husband married for two years. Uh, we met when I was at Bethel years ago. She was part of our revival group. And for whatever reason, she just clicked with Nikki and I. And through the season, she, we always call her our adopted daughter. Um, she would come stay at our house if she needed to. She would come raid our refrigerator. She would come do all the things that your kids do, and we would mentor her, her and love on her. She's been down here to visit several times. Uh, they're actually back in Reading now. But when she kind of came in the picture, I had no idea how to father somebody. You know, maybe I could disciple you. Maybe I could tell you the good and bad things to not do. Um, but when the Lord brought her into our life, it, it was a challenge for me to learn how to be intentional. And I have to be intentional with intentionality. That's just how I'm wired. Uh, I tell people that if you were a friend of mine, uh, I probably don't text you a whole lot or call you a whole lot. Uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't register in my brain uh, to be intentional with somebody else. I really have to focus in. But when he started calling me to father and mentor people, he started challenging me on like, hey, that excuse lasted for a little bit, uh, but you got to change it. How many of you know like, you may be wired a certain way, but that's not an excuse to do whatever you want to do. We went through a season in school where they would do all these DISC tests and Myers-Briggs tests and 
all these other personality-based tests, which, which I like. I think, there is, uh, I think it's great to know how you're wired and how you interact with people. But what we started seeing is people would use it as a, as a crutch. Well, this is just the way the Lord made me, you know. I, uh, I make really bad decisions because I don't plan for stuff, and it's just, it's God. It's, just, it's the Lord. And it's like, no, you, you make really bad decisions because you make really bad decisions, and you don't have counsel in your life. Like, stop being stupid and just get some counsel in your life. And, you know, and I would see this kind of thing happen, and, and I would have to watch it in my, my own world, right? I can be a stronger personality, and sometimes I can come across um, a little brass to some people, and people get offended, and my, my initial thought is, well, that sucks for you. Um, not, not probably the kingdom, right? Probably not how Jesus would approach all of it. Now, Jesus was offensive. I don't know if you've read the Gospels. Um, I think people think that Christians aren't, we're supposed to be, you just run over Christians. I, you just do whatever. I don't know. I don't understand. I guess people think they're supposed to be soft and timid. But uh, Jesus was, was pretty confrontational. He offended a lot of people. He went from thousands to a few over 12. Um, it happens. But, but there's also a, a case in there, too, where Jesus was Jesus, right? And Jesus knew how to interact with each person individually in each situation. And so there's things that we see in our own life that we have to reflect on and change and get counsel. And that takes responsibility, right? I have to be responsible for me. And we kind of do a house. We do family. You know, I always tell people we do, this church does family unlike many churches I've ever seen. Todd Pierce said the same thing. Many speakers have been here and experienced the same culture. Um, But we have to realize as family, family matures, right? Family grows up. Um, the, the little sons and daughters eventually become moms and dads, and the mom and dads become grandparents and roles shift. Uh, and that's kind of what has to happen with us, is that we can't be so dependent that this is, this is our table we eat on every week. And if we don't get anything that, that fits our week, then it's this person's fault. It's that person's fault. We should have a direct relationship with the Lord where we're interacting with Him on a daily basis and getting fed through that. It should be a relationship. If I told my wife, like, hey, uh, I'll see you on Sunday, and we'll hang out for a couple of hours, and I expect this to carry our marriage for years. Uh, so every Sunday we'll hang out, and then um, I'll see you next week. That would last all of about one Sunday, um, and I wouldn't make it out the door before there was some transition that was going to have to happen. Uh, so if we, if we don't think that would work in a person-to-person relationship, I don't know why we think that would work in the most important relationship that we have. Um, you know, I, I was telling Caleb this morning, I, I hear, and, I, and I'm just as guilty, right? We'll, we'll be here on Sundays, we'll be somewhere. Uh, I want to be like Jesus. God made me like Jesus. And then I start reading the Gospels, and I'm like, well, maybe not when Jesus did that. You know, uh, when, when Jesus got rowdy in the church, don't, we can leave that part out. Or when he told us to go raise the dead, I, I don't know. Like, can we, can we do some other stuff besides that part? Uh, or he told us to go cleanse the lepers. Well, that's not very comfortable because what if it doesn't, what if I get leprosy? What if it doesn't work? You know, we like to pick and choose what we want, but it sounds good, right? Uh, Jesus, make me like you. But the issue is, is that uh, trying to acclimate to the kingdom is not comfortable. It's not. 
Jesus is not always comfortable. I tell people often, if you're not pushed out of your comfort zone or you're not offended every once in a while, you're probably not hanging out with the right people. Confrontation is an opportunity um, for you to change, just like being offended is, right? When I'm offended, I have the choice to either check myself with the Lord, or am I offended because this is something internally that I need to work on, uh, or do I just need to hold on to this and turn it into bitterness, which is what we see, right? So I, I tell people, when you, you start taking personal accountability and responsibility, it, it puts weight on us, and people don't like that. I don't like that sometimes, right? It, it's way easier to cast, cast that onto somebody else. But I think this, this cost, this place that we're, the Lord is wanting us to push into is going to take individual responsibility. Um, it's going to take us plugging into the church and helping out and not having the same three people volunteer in the nursery every week or having the same you know, volunteers at the door every week or having the same people on worship team or whatever the case is. It, it involves us to plug in and be a part of something. It, to be a part of family. Um, my wife and I talk, you know, we have people over the house, um, and we know the ones that come over, and when we make a mess, they're going to stay there and help us clean. And then we know the ones that we have to go wrangle, we have to go stop, you know, get in front of their car before they leave, and like, hey, can you at least grab a bag of trash on your way out? Like, we know the ones, right? And that's okay, that's, that's part of family. The ones we invite over, they're okay with that confrontation, they're okay uh, with us doing family that way, but if we're going to do family well, we should plug in at every part. We should plug in at every aspect. Um, we used to have to read these books called um, God's Generals when we were in school. And it basically, the, the book was about uh, past revivals that had happened in the world and the country. You know, the uh, Azusa Revival in California. It uh, even talked about Brownsville and Florida. Um, revivals that were happening overseas in Toronto, different stuff. And when I say revival, I don't mean like they had a three-day meeting and everybody went home. Uh, this was signs and wonders and miracles were showing up. People were getting healed. They were having thousands and thousands of people line up outside of buildings, sitting in parking lots in the rain, just trying to hear uh, what God was up to. And when you read these stories and you read what God was doing, it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but just about every one of them, what, what I noticed when I was reading through is that they would last for a season and then it would die off. And the reason that they would all die off is because you had one or two people that were anointed by the Lord that were the, the front runners of these things, and they didn't know how to father and mother anyone to carry it on. So when they, when they got uh, older, when they passed away, the, the movement died with them. Uh, and it wasn't the example that Jesus did, right? right? He pulled 12... <laughs> And he discipled and fed into and invested into those 12. And it's the same thing here. It's the same thing in a lot of churches is that we, we want God to show up. And some of us say that and you don't really know what it looks like. Um, I, I've seen God show up in places. It's messy. You, you get, you know, we get uncomfortable when somebody that doesn't act right comes in here and it's a little uncomfortable for us. But the kingdom attracts all types of stuff and all types of people. And you've got to be comfortable with homeless coming in here that haven't bathed in months. And you have to be comfortable with people that are mentally unstable coming in here and having to deal with that stuff. You have to be comfortable with things that don't make sense in your brain happening and trusting that one, 
the Lord is in it, and two, leadership in the church is going to handle anything that's not kingdom-focused. And it's, we used to have a t-shirt, and she would say this all the time, um, I would rather have to put out a few wild, wildfires here and there than not have any fire at all. All right? And that's the truth. And so I'm saying all this, and this is always my message, because I really believe there's a calling on this house, there's a calling for this area, is that I want us to be united as a family uh, when, not if, when Holy Spirit shows up and does something amazing. Because it's shocking, it's beautiful, and it is, uh, it is time-consuming. And if you're not ready for that you're going to be highly disappointed or highly burned out soon after. And that's why it takes, you can't have one person up here holding this whole thing, right? You have to have a family that runs with it together. You have to have a family that's plugging in, doing life together, doing community, serving. All this is, is a combined effort. This is why people talk about, well, I don't have to go to church uh, to love Jesus. You don't. You absolutely do not have to go to church to have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, but, if you want to do life well, if you want to know how to do community, if you actually want to know how to live out what Jesus talks about, you have to be plugged in somewhere. All right? um, and that's, that's always my thing with people that, uh, that try to skirt. And, and we know why they do it. Churches hurt people. People hurt people. It happens. But the, the intentionality is that family is what does kingdom. Not one person. <laughs> Uh, and so I, I just really feel like, you know, Rodney had asked me to kind of carry on a little bit from what Todd talked about and, and the importance of us stepping up as mothers and fathers, discipling and mentoring people and investing in people is crucial. Um, how many of you know anybody that's ever adopted? Okay, out of all those, how many of those did the kid, the kid pick the parents? You don't, they didn't just walk into an adoption agency and they line up all the kids and say, all right, uh, which one of you wants to go home with these guys? Right? It doesn't work that way. How does it work? The parents pick the kids, right? Well, we, we've designed this culture that if, um, if you want to be mentored by me or you want me to invest into you, then you need to come, you need to come chat with me. And, and it's this backwards idea that uh, me as a a father figure as a mentor am waiting for somebody to come seek me out. Um, how, you know, some of us have been on that side where our parents aren't as intentional as we like, right? Doesn't feel great. So why would we want to start off a dynamic relationship with somebody and say, all right, well, the ball's in your court. You know, you, you need to come be intentional. We need to learn as, as mothers and fathers to be intentional to younger generations and invest into them. Because again, what I say, you don't know what you don't know. How many of you at 15, 16, 18, 20 years old knew all that you know now? Right? How many of you wish you had somebody at that age that actually had life experience that could invest into you and tell you, like, hey, this stupid thing that you're thinking right now is not going to pan out quite as well as, it, as you think it is. And then even when you try it, I'm still going to be here to help, help you learn how to clean up your mess. Right? I, didn't, I didn't have a whole lot of that. But thankfully, I uh, shortly after had, had been around here. But, um, but I just want to encourage you, the Lord has people for you to disciple, to invest into. Um, you have, you know, all of you have life experience. 
If you have a relationship with Jesus, uh, you have life experience in the kingdom, and while you may not be able to memorize the Bible and quote it front to back, uh, the Lord has instilled things into you that need to be invested into younger generations. Uh, we have such a huge issue with a motherless and fatherless generation now uh, that the need for us to step up is, is beyond crucial, and even more so in the church, because uh, you think people out here uh, that, that could care less about Christian values are the ones that we want to continue discipling younger generations. I hope not, uh, because that just breeds the same stuff we've been dealing with. So I'm saying all this because I think we're in this transition point, we're in this, this kind of cusp where the Lord is challenging us to be intentional. Intentional with our relationship with Him, intentional with the ones around us, um, taking responsibility for ourselves and our actions, and saying, hey, not what can you do for me, but how can I serve you? Um, I tell people, if, if you don't know what God's called you to do, or you don't have a vision for your life yet, find somebody that does and find out how you serve it. It's the best way. Uh, I can't tell you how many times the Lord has called me to do that in my life when I was just roaming around and had no idea what my calling was and how much impact that had in my world later on. And now that I'm you know, a little bit older, I have people that are, are doing the same thing for me, which is mind-blowing, and there's value in both sides. So um, I want to pray for you. We'll have the worship team um, come up real quick. I, I just want to close out. In the process of this, I, just, I want to ask you two things. One, I want you to ask the Lord... Am I called to mother and father to disciple someone? I'm almost willing to bet the answer is yes. Um, I'm not saying you have to go disciple 20 people tomorrow. Uh, it may just be one. You may just have the capacity for one. That's okay. Um, realistically, everybody has a capacity limit. You can't go out and just mentor 15 people at one time or else you're going to be burnt out. Uh, but ask the Lord, who is it that you want me to mentor? Who do you want me to disciple? Maybe it's somebody in this house. Maybe it's somebody um, in another, another place in the community that you're aware of. Maybe it's somebody you hadn't even met yet and the Lord's just trying to get you to plug in uh, and be a part of something. And then two, how can I be intentional in this house? Uh, if this is the, the church you call home church or a place you're considering you want to plug into, we say plug into, it's not just having your attendance on Sunday. That, that's great but we want you to actually plug in and be a part of what we're doing. And so how can I plug in to this house or to the house that I'm a part of, and what does that look like? Uh, maybe it's just you going to someone on staff and saying, hey, um, this is what I have skill sets in. Uh, does that help you at all? Or the greatest question we really like is, what do you need? You know, what, what do you need help on? And then we can plug you in somewhere. We can get you attached. Uh, it goes farther than you know. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you've called us to do great things and to be great, uh, not for the sake of us, but for the sake that we get to show your kingdom off to the world. And so, God, we just ask that um, we don't hide our, our light up under a, a basket, God, that we're visible to the ones around us, and God, you show us what that looks like. We thank you for uh, just the way you're speaking into us. And we just ask you to show us how to be mothers and fathers, how to disciple those around us and mentor well. And God, how that 
that we can plug into our church, into our community, into the ones around us, that we can carry the self that you have set before us.